Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Therapy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you here today. What we're going to be discussing today is the equation to happiness and understanding how the way we view things and the expectations we set up for ourselves can either be enhancing our happiness or it can be stealing our happiness. But before we jump into today's episode, make sure you guys hop over to our Facebook group because we are in our last week of giveaways. And all you have to do to enter the giveaway is to share our podcast or to share a specific episode. You can share it on any of your social medias or you can send a text directly to a friend with the link to the podcast. And then we want you to take a screenshot of however you shared it and then post it over in our Facebook group. So like Tim said, we're going to talk about the equation to happiness. With that, we're going to talk about 10 reasons why high expectations can be problematic. And we're going to break this into a two-part episode. So let's jump into today's episode. So what I want to start off with is a little bit of an explanation as to what the equation to happiness is. So if you're a visual person, definitely get out a piece of paper and write this down. I want you to just write the word happiness, and then next to that, put an equal sign, And then next to the equal sign, I want you to put the word performance, put a line under that word performance, and then underneath that line, now write expectations. So happiness equals performance over expectation. This equation set up is we're trying to understand how do we get happiness. And to solve for happiness, which is the answer we're looking for, we're going to take our performance and we're going to divide it by our expectations. So however high our expectations are, it's going to reduce the level of happiness that we have. So a good example of this, just to throw a couple of numbers out there, if you're expecting to perform at a 10 and you perform at a 10, you divide 10 by 10, your level of happiness is a one. But then an alternate situation, let's say you're expecting to perform at a one, but you perform at a five. So you have five and now that's divided by one. Five divided by one is five. Even though your performance was half of what it was in the other situation, Because your expectations were so much lower, you got a score of five in your happiness. And so when you really try to break this down and you try to understand how do we get happiness, a lot of it boils down to what are our expectations for life. And if they're very high expectations, a lot of the times you're going to end up very disappointed and dissatisfied with how life turns out for you. But if your expectations are relatively low, you're going to find yourself being much happier throughout life because you're regularly going to be exceeding your expectations and then being more satisfied with the performance that you give. So before we go any further, I'm going to read you guys a story that will help 
illustrate this idea of the happiness equation. Alex and Taylor were both ambitious entrepreneurs who ventured into the tech startup world around the same time. They met at a networking event, and despite their different approaches to business, they became fast friends. Alex was always set on achieving the next big thing. He would often say, my app needs to have a million users in the first year, or I won't be satisfied until I'm the top player in the market. His expectations were sky high for every project, and anything less than stellar results was deemed a failure in his eyes. Taylor, on the other hand, had a different philosophy. I want my app to impact people's lives, even if it's just a few at first. Growth will come naturally if I focus on value. Taylor set high goals but maintained flexible expectations, celebrating the small victories along the journey. As months turned into years, Alex's company experienced highs and lows. When things went well, Alex felt on top of the world. But when they didn't, which was often given his astronomical expectations, he was devastated. He faced burnout, anxiety, and doubt. Despite having an app that was used by hundreds of thousands, it never felt like enough. Taylor's journey was filled with challenges as well, but her approach led to a different emotional outcome. When her app started making a difference in small communities, she felt elated. As it grew, so did her joy. Each milestone, whether it was user number 100 or 100,000, was cause for celebration. She felt satisfied, content, and driven, not by fear of failing her own high standards, but by the genuine joy her work brought. In a catch-up over coffee, Alex admitted to Taylor, I'm exhausted. Even when we succeed, it feels like I've fallen short. I don't know how much longer I can do this. Taylor listened, then shared her perspective. Success isn't about hitting lofty metrics. It's about the journey, the growth, and the lives we touch. Maybe it's time to reassess what success really means to you. The two entrepreneurs continued their paths, but Alex took Taylor's words to heart. He started to recalibrate his expectations, aiming for progress over perfection and value over vanity metrics. Slowly, he began to find more happiness in his entrepreneurial journey, realizing that satisfaction often lies in the balance between performance and expectations. So in that example, you can clearly see the differences in their expectations, but also in their level of reported happiness. And so as we look at expectations, it's not that we want you to have these low expectations, but I like how it explains it in here where it says Taylor set high goals, but maintain flexible expectations, celebrating the small victories along the journey. And so we do want you to have high goals and to have big dreams, but definitely setting up those flexible expectations will help you in the long run. Because when we have high expectations and we don't meet those expectations, and we don't allow ourselves for the flexibility of failing and then getting back up, failing again, but then tweaking things and changing things, and then getting back up and then reaching the goal. Those expectations were there, but they were met with challenges where they got back up and they tweaked things and changed things and were flexible, maybe because of circumstances or seasons in your life, but recognizing that they were making progress over that time. And another thing is that when we have these expectations, and we direct these expectations toward others, and they don't meet those expectations, we begin to feel angry, frustrated, and resentment toward them. And I think setting up the appropriate expectations is really helpful to success. For example, when we first started our private practice, we got a little bit of an unhealthy set of expectations because when we first started operating, we got a bunch of brand new clients kind of right away throughout the first month. I was like, man, this is so easy. We're going to be just working in our own business really quick. And then for the next six months, I didn't get one new client. And I was like, oh, 
this is not going to be nearly as easy as I thought. That for the first two years, we had barely made a profit in our private practice, and it was tough and uncomfortable. And I remember thinking, man, I don't know if this is going to work. Maybe we should just close up shop because our overhead was kind of eating us out of house and home. And so even though we were profitable, it was just marginally profitable. It was just barely. And then the third year is when it really took off. And now when we're doing this podcast, I think I have a different expectation for what the growth is going to look like. And instead of thinking, man, this is going to blow up real fast or it's going to get big quickly, it was more the mentality that I learned from the experience in the private practice where it took three years. And so I transpose that onto this. I'm like, man, I'm not going to expect any type of major growth or any major amazing things to really happen for the first three years. And then after doing it consistently for three years, now it's time to do an assessment of that. And for this podcast, I just stopped and I was looking at what our statistics were for the first year. And so we released at the end of September. So we only had a few downloads. We had 256. And then the next month, October, we had 1,410 downloads. Then November, we had 2,246 downloads that month. Then December, we had 2,862. Then we started taking a little bit of a downturn. We had 2,788, 2,504 for February. Then in March, we bumped back up. We had 3,212, then 3,571, then 4,280, then 5,370 in June. And then July, we had 5,777. And then in August, we had 6,140. And so we've been definitely having growth. We've had a little bit of dips here and there. But looking at this back now, it's like, oh, that feels very encouraging for me. Has our podcast absolutely blown up and become enormous over the last year? No, but that has been my expectation. My expectation has been, well, over three years is when we'll probably be reaching more of a decent size. And so right now we're trying to celebrate the year anniversary of the podcast. And we're trying to do this last little push to see if we can try to make 50000 just before the end of the year. And that's a high and lofty goal. We need to get another 5,000 downloads in the next week in order to be able to achieve that. It's not likely, but again, we don't expect that we're going to get that. But we're doing things that we can to try to achieve that. So we have a low expectation of achieving that, but we have high goals and we're doing things we can in order to give us a likelihood that that will happen. So we have a list of 10 challenges and issues that high expectations can lead to. So the first one we want to talk about is stress and anxiety. If you have very high expectations, you're going to regularly be stressed or anxious. And the reason for this is because you understand that what you're setting out to try to do is going to be very difficult. And if you're expecting to do well, especially right out of the gate with something new, it's going to be very uncomfortable when you're trying this new thing. And you're going to have a lot more worries that go along with it. And just like in the story, those worries are going to steal the joy of the activity that you're trying to do. A part of my goal with the podcast is it's dedicated time where Ruth and I get to discuss topics and we get to talk about psychology and things like that. And there's definitely times when we've got our gaggle of kids running around. We're just sitting down and having a conversation about this isn't a practical thing. But then when we're doing the podcast, we set aside this time where we get to do this. And so it's not just a, oh, we're looking at the numbers, but we enjoy the process of closing ourselves up in this closet for a little bit and just talking about a subject that both of us enjoy and are interested in. But I think if we were so stuck on the numbers all the time and really worried about growth and making sure this has to work, this has to get big, it'd be a much more anxiety-provoking and uncomfortable task. When you look at the story of Alex and Taylor, you can just see the difference of stress levels and the anxiety that they're experiencing Alex is just really wound up and just constantly 
going, 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 trying to meet these high expectations and getting frustrated at himself, at the people around him, maybe at his team. But he's constantly stressed, which will lead to burnout. And when I hear Taylor's story, for me, it has this theme of grateful, that she really is grateful for each and every person that uses her app. She's grateful for the journey. There probably are times where she is stressed as she works hard to meet her goals, but it's not going to be this chronic stress and overwhelm that Alex is experiencing. Number two is perfectionism. Having such high expectations can result in just a fear of making mistakes. Because you think, in order to reach this expectation, I don't have time to make mistakes. And so a lot of times it causes you to avoid trying new things or taking risks, which really could lead to growth in your business, but also personal growth. But when we talk about it in relationships, and we have these high expectations, and we require perfection for ourselves, but also for others, that could lead to a lot more dissension in your relationship. Because now you're not just having this standard and level for yourself, but you're requiring that of others. And I think we talked about this in the podcast where we specifically went after and addressed perfectionism. When you achieve maybe an instance of perfectionism, you don't get any joy out of that because it's what you expected. That's what I should have been doing anyways. And so it steals any joy or enjoyment you can get from having such a high level of achievement versus if you had that lower expectation, you can enjoy it a lot more. And so if you're struggling with perfectionism, this is a hard task to undertake, but really working at shifting your expectations down lower. Again, you can still shoot for high goals, just like I was saying with this podcast, we're shooting for 50,000. And in this next week, we basically need to get another 5,000. Am I going to get crushed if we don't get it? No, because I'm not expecting that we'll get it. We're trying everything we can to do it. And our numbers are showing that the things we're doing are working. But again, we still have a long ways to go. And so I think another thing that's different is people who are able to set lower expectations, they are kind of like in the story, they're more process oriented. They're enjoying the process of doing the thing and not so highly focused on what specifically is the outcome. And a lot of times those people who are more focused on the process because they can enjoy it, just like in our story where Taylor was enjoying the experience, she wasn't as stressed out or upset, but then Alex was more worried about the numbers and the end outcome, and then wasn't enjoying that process. And this comes from somebody who's more like outcome and task oriented. Life is not a task, it is a process. And if you understand life is a process and that most of the things you're doing are a process, not just a task, and it allows you to have much more joy in the experience. And so that segues really good into the next one, which is decreased satisfaction. Even when goals are achieved, they may not bring anticipated happiness. And again, it's because I'm expecting that this will happen. Okay, that happened. That met my expectation. So no level of happiness comes from that. And so I think defining the difference between that expectation and goal is important to understand. The expectation is this is what is going to happen or this is what should happen. So a way to help understand that better is when you wake up in the morning, you're expecting gravity is going to work. So when you swing your feet out over the bed and you put them on the floor, you're expecting that they're going to hit the floor and you're not just going to float up out of your bed. So nobody's really surprised or happy when gravity works because that is just the level of expectation. Versus when you have a goal of something, you know it's something that you have to work towards getting there. I'm not here now, but I need to do A, B, and C in order to try to achieve this goal. So you're not expecting that that's going to happen so that when you then move towards that, then that increases your level of happiness. I always tell my clients when we're talking about achieving goals, 
there's three points you need to pay attention to. There's where you're at compared to where you want to be, but then you also always have to pay attention to where did you come from. So when I was reading off the numbers of our podcast and thinking, man, the first full month we did it, we had 1,400 downloads, and now we are up to 6,000 downloads. That's a dramatic increase from where we originally started off at. And then this month looks like it's probably going to be our biggest month ever also. And so we're kind of continuing to move along. But if you just look at where you're at compared to where you want to be, you're always going to be feeling at a deficit and dissatisfied. And so being able to, when you're thinking about goals, take into consideration, where did I start off also? That helps enhance your feeling of accomplishment and sense of happiness. When you look at the story, you can definitely see that decreased satisfaction in Alex. Because it says, despite having an app that was used by hundreds of thousands, it just never felt like enough. Whereas for Taylor, when her app started making a difference in a small community, she was elated. And as it grew, so did her joy. Every milestone, whether it was user number 100 or 100,000, was a cause for celebration. So she felt that satisfaction and contentment along the way. Whereas no matter how much success he had, he felt like it wasn't enough. And instead of being not only content, but satisfied and excited and thankful for what he has achieved. Like Tim said with the gravity thing, it was just expected. Like, well, this is where it should be. And there was no celebration along the way. And so certainly you could see that decreased level of satisfaction. And so I think Alex could have had the same goal of having a million users. But if you had that goal as opposed to the expectation, man, I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get up to a million versus I have to be at a million or I'm not successful. Again, you can have the same end idea in mind, but the thought process you have towards achieving that will determine the road that you're walking and how happy you are on that road. Number four is fear of failure. High expectations can lead to an intensified fear of failing. And this fear can be so paralyzing that it prevents you from even attempting the task. And so a lot of these challenges and issues that we're talking about in this list they really are connected to each other, right? This fear of failure is connected to that perfectionism. People expect perfection, and if they can't achieve that, they're not even going to try. They're so afraid of failing. And so you can see how a lot of these in the list really are connected to each other. When you talk about perfectionism, we talked about how people don't even try things because they're reaching for this perfection and they're afraid of failing. The fear of failure is a very interesting thing because failure should be a regular expectation of life. We should set up almost that we are going to be failing. And it sounds funny to say that when we're talking about how expectations could be negative. But in this situation, if you set up expectations of failure as a part of your life, it makes you less fearful of them. Because when you're doing anything new, or even if you're doing something you've done a lot or plenty of times, you're going to be failing along the way. And having this understanding that failure is kind of just baked into the cake of life, can help take away the sting of when you do experience that failure. This reminds me of when I first started playing racquetball. I love playing racquetball. It's a ton of fun. I remember I was just playing with some of my friends and none of us had played before. And then over a little bit of time, my friends kind of filtered out and they weren't as into it, but I had really kind of caught the bug for racquetball. I really started enjoying it. And so as much as this is not a normal part of my character, I ended up uh, finding people at the challenge court and just kind of hooking up with them and playing with them. And these guys were leagues and leagues away from me. They were so much better than me. 
I think the first year I played doubles with these guys, I don't think me and my teammate, whoever I was paired up with, won even once over the first entire year I was playing. But I was just so enamored and enthralled with playing and trying to make shots and trying to pick up shots that I just kept going back week after week after week and continued to play. And then I think about two years in is when I started to get pretty decent and started to do quite a bit better. But I had set it up like I was like, I know when I'm going to be playing, I'm going to be losing. Some of the guys I've been playing with were playing for 20 years and I'm in my first or second year. Of course, I'm going to lose. Did I like losing? No. It's kind of baked into my cake just because of the dynamic of the people who I ended up playing with. But I was able to enjoy it all along the way because I wasn't afraid to fail. I knew that that was a very high likelihood. And if I won, I was elated because my expectations of winning were so low. But I wasn't going in trying to win. I was going in shot by shot, just trying to have a good shot. And if I could have a couple good shots in a game, I'd be pleased. As I got better and better, I started to have more good shots during the game. And I think three, four years in of playing, again, it's a lot of playing over a lot of years, I ended up being on par with the guys that I was playing with. But it took a lot of time. And if I had those expectations at the beginning, I would not have made it past the first couple of weeks. Number five is avoidance and procrastination. The pressure from high expectation can cause people to avoid tasks that they think they might not excel in, or it causes them to procrastinate on it, which just relates directly to number four, fear of failure. Because that story about Tim going back time after time in racquetball is so encouraging to me. Because I love that he talks about it being baked into the cake and him expecting to fail over that time rather than him being afraid of it and then it causing him not to do it at all. He expected it. And for me, right off the bat, when we talk about fear of failure, I don't necessarily think that I have a fear of failure, but more that I have a fear of success. But when I look at it as far as avoidance and procrastination, then I wonder maybe I do have a little bit of fear of failure but I definitely have that fear of success, which causes me to procrastinate. And even when we shared our story on the 100th episode about our process to get this podcast kicked off, a lot of my fear was, well, what if we do well on it? And then there's all these extra responsibilities that I have. And so I was procrastinating on it. But it was also the procrastination came from that perfectionism, which I think does come from this fear of failing. Not necessarily failing overall, but failing in one specific task of it not being perfect and then having to redo it again and again and again. Yeah, actually, it was interesting when you're talking about not having a fear of failure. I was thinking about it and I was like, yeah, maybe you don't have a fear of failure while you're climbing the mountain. But then once you hit the peak, that's when you're afraid of failing. So you're afraid of achieving and then falling off the mountain. Gosh, I think that's very insightful. And that actually gets me a little emotional because I never thought of that. And for me, it's not so much once I succeed that I'm afraid of failing in front of people. I'm not necessarily concerned about failing in front of people or what people think of me. But for me, I think it's once we succeed, I know there's a lot more responsibility. And I wonder if it's some of the perfectionism coming in and realizing that a lot of times I get overwhelmed and fearing that I can't keep up with it, and maybe we did this really good burst, but the fear of not being able to continue that. I don't know if that makes sense at all. Well, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that part of why I have insight is I've experienced this before, 
in athletics when I was swimming one year, I won a national title. And that was one of the best days of my athletic career. But then a week after that, the reality set in that, oh gosh, I have to reproduce this next year. I knew it was a monumental task that was going to be extremely hard to recreate that next year. I remember that that title was simultaneously one of the greatest things, but also one of the worst things. And it made the next year very emotionally uncomfortable for me. Oh, yeah, I think that's a perfect example for what I experienced. And so I know at the very end of episode 100, where we talked about our journey, we did those bloopers inside of our closet. But I think this is what happens a lot. And we want to make sure that we're being very real with you, because a lot of times there are things that, you know, Tim gives insight to or we recognize along the way. And we're not just sharing this with all of you, thinking that we have all the wisdom in the world. But we know that as we're doing this podcast, we're growing too. And there's a lot of realization that comes along the way, especially for me. I think a lot of times Tim will share some wisdom and I will get just wrecked by it because I'm like, oh my gosh, that totally applies to me, even though he's sharing it with clients or he's talking about the tools that he uses along the way. It totally helps me. And I know that we have so much growth or I have so much growth to do. Or for example, you brought that 10 greatest tips for anxiety. That was something I wasn't super familiar with or aware of. And then literally the next week I was teaching that to a client because like, man, that was some really good stuff I was not aware of. So that went in a different direction than I expected. But that number five is avoidance and procrastination. So just remembering that one of the challenges of such high expectations can be that it causes you to avoid certain tasks or just put them off and procrastinate them. So we're going to stop there for today, and in the next episode, we're going to pick up with a list of 10 reasons why high expectations can be problematic. And because we talked about numbers 1 through 5 today, we're going to finish off 6 through 10 in the next episode. All right, you guys, have a great day, and remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.